Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Now, to the top analysis of today's crypto markets. Are digital assets securities? We explore this ongoing question as the SEC expands its crypto enforcement team, plus a crypto-friendly bank says regulators are circling, and the EU warns of antitrust practices in the metaverse. Welcome to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington. I'm joined today by Aaron Kaplan from Prometheum. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you for having me, Ash. We've got a lot to talk about here, and we're going to discuss all of that in just a moment. But first, let's take a look at the latest price analysis. The total crypto market cap has slipped 2% today on coin market cap. Bitcoin has fallen $23,500. It's currently trading lower on both a 24-hour and 7-day trailing basis, changing cans at roughly $23,350. Some good news for the crypto space can be found in a report by data provider Crypto Compare, which was cited by Coindesk. Crypto Compare says digital assets under management hit their highest volume in February since May of 2022. Some $28.3 billion in digital investment products were under management. Meanwhile, Ether continues to trade in a narrow range. It's just it's down just shy of 2% over the last 24 hours uh, and seven days. The current price of one ETH is around 1,630 US dollars. One final token we're looking at today is Threshold, symbol T. The Threshold network provides and maintains cryptographic algorithms for several dApps. It's the only major cryptocurrency up double digits today. Uh, today, uh, T has been trading at one of the biggest beneficiaries of the growing surrounding, uh, the growing hype surrounding the emergence of smart contracts on the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, before I speak to Aaron, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Crypto Daily Briefing is sponsored by the Crypto App. The Crypto App delivers everything you need to stay on top of the world of crypto and your own crypto holdings. It includes a market-leading price tracker, portfolio manager, analytics suite, and newsfeed, as well as a wider range of customizable alerts and widgets. Crypto moves fast, so don't be left behind. With over 4 million downloads, the Crypto App is the market's leading app for all things crypto. With that said, let's bring in our guest. Aaron Kaplan is a securities attorney and co-founder and co-CEO of Prometheum, which is a blockchain platform regulated by SEC and FINRA for trading digital assets. Uh, Aaron, let's start with your background. Tell us how you got started on your crypto journey and how it brought you to found Prometheum. Well, uh, it's been a long time, actually. Uh, We got myself and the law firm I was working with got into the space in 2013. Uh, and it was always our belief that digital assets at the time, Bitcoin, uh, was a security. And at the time, we're seeing the beginning of MSBs, you know, Coinbase is starting to come online uh, and is licensed under the money service laws as a money transmitter. 
uh, and essentially, uh, but it's our belief that it's a security. And we write a no action letter to the SEC asking them to allow us to transact uh, Bitcoin through an ATS in a brokerage account. Uh, the thought process there is uh, that the investor protections and the fair and orderly market requirements and the segregation of customer funds and assets required under the securities laws uh, were the best way to protect the participants in this growing, uh, at the time it was Bitcoin or then blockchain or Web3 universe. Um, it was a, probably a little bit ahead of its time, um, but uh, I continued to participate in the space and I focused my practice uh, on the application of uh, digital assets to the regulatory sphere and the related regulatory as, uh, excuse me, regulatory issues that arose. Uh, and then when the Dow report came out in July 2017, uh, the first time that the SEC basically says that digital assets could and likely did imply the federal securities laws, uh, we realized that uh, our thesis is correct, that digital assets are likely all uh, securities and should be regulated under securities laws. Uh, and we decided to start Prometheum. And Prometheum really sits at the intersection of three areas. You have uh, securities regulation. Uh, obviously, we're incubated at a securities law, a law firm called Gus Ray Kaplan Nussbaum. Uh, the founders are all securities attorneys uh, with deep expertise in the space. Uh, you have financial services, where we basically had previously owned uh, brokerage and parts of clearing firms. And then finally, uh, you have the distributed architecture and blockchain side. And when you basically put all those areas on top of each other, uh, what Prometheum is doing is building a purpose-built uh, public market and custodial infrastructure for digital assets that's compliant under the federal securities laws. Uh, and it's used by its subsidiaries, Prometheum ATS and Prometheum Capital. Prometheum ATS is an ATS like, yes, sorry, go ahead. No, let me just ju jump in there because uh, there's so much material for us to unpack in that core thesis. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, first of all, let's talk about what an ATS is. Uh, this is uh, an alternative to tra trading things on exchanges here in the United States, uh, trading securities on exchanges, alternative trading system, uh, a term of art here in the US. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about this core thesis. Is the thesis, Aaron, that all cryptocurrencies, all digital assets are securities right now in your worldview? I think that um, besides for Bitcoin, where the argument could be made, it was always decentralized. And therefore, there was not a common enterprise in the Howey test component. Uh, besides for Bitcoin, the overwhelming majority, if not all digital assets are uh, likely securities. Okay, so let's talk about this here. Uh, the Howey test, this is really the core uh, of what, uh, what makes a uh, the determination that federal courts here in the United States use to evaluate whether something is or is not a security. Can you review very briefly for us the four central prongs of the Howey test uh, and why you believe they apply to everything other than Bitcoin? Uh, an investment of money with the intention of profit in a common enterprise where that profits derive primarily from the efforts of others. Yeah. Uh, I think that you can make the argument when it comes to uh, Bitcoin that there was never sufficiently a centralized entity where the, the, that generated the profits. And in theory, it was the actual individual participants in that, system, in, that, in that ecosystem that were driving it forward, meaning it was always decentralized. If you look at uh, Ethereum and its progeny, uh, one can make an argument that uh, it started off centralized and when the, the actual assets were right. issued, they were securities mm -hmm. and they qualified as an investment contract. And you could follow that up by saying there's a de minimis, if, if not, no precedent for a security to become a non-security. 
So uh, if it was a security, it should be treated as such. And then the only people who should be able so, to- So let, let me just jump in here and talk and give a little bit of context of what you're talking about, at least what I believe you mean uh, by this. You're talking about the pre-mine, the ICO uh, for Ethereum, this idea that uh, many people have said, look, that was something that may be a security. This is just the, the, the conversation that happens out in the space. Uh, but now it, it's more sufficiently decentralized, I believe was the, the phrase that was used by the uh, former SEC official uh, to, uh, to qualify uh, why they believe Bitcoin was not a security at the time. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. I'm not a lawyer, Aaron. Uh, but that idea that you could move from something that was a security to something that wasn't a security, is that generally the thesis that you're referring to? Uh, correct. So there was a paper put out by uh, Commissioner Peirce about the idea of sufficient decentralization and sort of a transition there uh, from a security to a non-security. But uh, from my estimates, that's not based in precedent. It would It's a totally new concept. Uh, and in that universe, the investor and the user who would participate in, in the to make a profit there is probably best protected by the federal securities laws. So let me ask you this, what about NFTs? Is there some idea that you could have potentially something that effectively looks like digital artwork uh, that trades that is not a security in your view, or do you believe that all NFTs are securities as well? Well, I think you'd have to bifurcate from uh, an NFT and a fractionalized NFT, a eh? Right. And, uh, Beyond okay, that, fair enough. But let's assume that it, uh, an NFT is not fractionalized, it's not leveraged, uh, it's not being used uh, in some sort of derivative format. Is there a mechanism uh, under the law, in your view, where something could be, in fact, a digital piece of artwork trade through, uh, you know, for example, a peer-to-peer -peer or exchange-based uh, trading mechanism and not be a security? Uh, in the abstract reference to NBA Top Shot, uh, I mean, again, it's the way it's presented there. And I think that uh, one of the the facets here is that it becomes the economic reality of the actual investment, and that's what the securities law said, as opposed to the way it's presented. I believe in the Southern District of New York, the judge who uh, did not uh, approve this, uh, the motion to dismiss for NBA Top Shot and Dapper Labs there, uh, basically said that, uh, you know, the emojis, <laughs> the uh, Maybe it was the judge. I believe it was the judge. Basically, said that the emojis represented, you know, with a rocket ship and uh, and other indications of profit, could be in a determination of to the economic realities of the investment. Okay, uh, so, so how about separate and distinct from this particular case, from this particular uh, court that we're talking about? Is it possible to have a digital representation of value? Is it possible to create digital art in your view without having it be a security under some circumstances? Is there a framework where you could see uh, that it might not be a security? I'm, I'm sure. Uh, again, uh, I mean, uh, there's a significant amount of digital artists that are creating digital art and are selling their art. I don't necessarily believe that's a security. It's a question in the way it's presented. It's the question mm -hmm. how it's packaged. It's the question in how it's sold. It comes down to the realities of the transaction and what the actual consumer or investor thinks and how it's being presented to them. Right. So let's jump in here and talk to some specifics because we have some interesting news stories out today uh, here over the last 24 hours. Our top story today is heavily related to this uh, conversation we're having right now. Coindesk reports the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, is, is going to expand its digital asset enforcement team again. The unit nearly doubled in size last year to around 50 people. Coindesk says those new positions have been nearly filled and there will likely be more added in the near term. Uh, Aaron, obviously, uh, this uh, stems from increased activity we've seen from the SEC when it comes to crypto enforcement in recent months. Uh, what are your thoughts on this SEC action? 
I think it's in line with the release on, I believe, February 7th uh, from discussing the enforcement priorities where it was saying it was go priorities were uh, crypto and new technologies, particularly related to digital assets. Uh, beyond that, we've seen a significant, uh, you know, series of regulatory actions from there. And I think that we will see that going forward. What the SEC in, has done, at least in my opinion, is has brought any area where they saw potential uh, systemic or contagion risk uh, uh, sort of under its purview. First, we had the them the actions against the lending companies, now the staking, then the stable coins, now Custis custodians. And as Chairman Gensler has said that it's uh, time is running out for virtual currency exchanges to register under the securities laws. So it really appears that the overwhelming majority of financial services and uh, related activities associated with digital assets are coming under the purview of the federal securities laws. And I understand why they would expand that department then. Uh, by the way, talking of this, we've just got some news flow on this out this morning in the last hour or two. Uh, this is from uh, SEC Gary Gensler speaking at the Investor Advisory Committee uh, earlier this morning. Quote, based upon how crypto trading and lending platforms generally operate, investment advisors cannot, cannot rely on them today as qualified custodians, Gensler said. To be clear, just because a crypto trading platform claims to be a qualified custodian doesn't mean that it is. This is uh, via Coindesk uh, from earlier this morning. Uh, Aaron, your thoughts? Um, I believe certain trusts came out in reaction to the proposed change to the uh, qualified to, to the rule when it came to custody of crypto assets uh, and said that uh, trusts would qualify as qualified custodians. Uh, well, what is that? What does that mean? Let's break this down for folks who aren't lawyers. What does that mean? What's the significance of that term of art, qualified custodian? And what does it mean currently uh, in the traditional asset markets, uh, capital markets here in the United States? So a qualified custodian accounts for banks, uh, broker dealers, and there's some other potential avenues by which, by which some, one could be a qualified custodian. Uh, I think it's clear that uh, banks are. I think it will be clear that special purpose broker dealers, which will do digital asset custody under the securities laws, uh, will be will likely be qualified custodians. But the time will tell whether these trusts uh, for the major virtual currency exchanges will qualify as uh, qualified custodians and whether they'll be able to continue doing uh, crypto related custody uh, services and activities. Uh, by the way, we've got some additional news flow here on Silvergate Bank. I want to read this story as well and get your take on it. Uh, shares of the U.S. crypto-friendly bank Silvergate Capital nearly halved today. That's after it said its ability to survive is, quote, a going concern, close quote. The company has delayed its annual earnings report. It says its capital continues to shrink, and it expects potential investigations by U.S. banking regulators, Congress, and Department of Justice. Uh, this is coming to us uh, via... Coindesk and the Financial Times. Obviously, this is a pretty significant story in the space. Uh, any thoughts on this, Aaron? It's another domino that's fallen as a result uh, or of a uh, casualty of the FTX debacle. And time will tell what the relationship was between FTX and Silvergate and what their exposure was there. Uh, but obviously, there's serious concerns. Uh, there's been certain uh, major entities within the space have also said they're going to move their uh, bank accounts away from that, from Silvergate. Uh, today that came out, I believe it was uh, Coinbase and Paxos. So um, we will see what happens. The other thing that's super interesting here, I believe a 
sometime in mid-February, Silvergate took, or and obviously it's a public company, so it was a purchase of a stock, had major investors come in, uh, you know, major well-known entities. I believe it was Citadel and another entity uh, that basically took significant stakes. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happened and why this sudden change in fortunes uh, arose. Let me read here directly from uh, the Financial Times from the FT this morning, quote, U.S. listed crypto exchange Coinbase said on Thursday it was no longer accepting or initiating payments to or from Silvergate, quote, in light of recent developments and out of an abundance of caution, close quote. The exchange added it had de minimis corporate exposure, that means small uh, for those who didn't take Latin to the bank, and institutional client cash transactions would be facilitated through other banking partners. Galaxy Digital, a crypto financial services company, also said on Thursday that it had stopped accepting or initiating transfers to Silvergate, adding it had, quote, no material exposure, close quote, to the bank. That means more or less the same thing as de minimis exposure. Essentially what they're saying is the uh, level of exposure that they have to Silvergate uh, is not material to their business. This is uh, obviously pretty big news. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the about the general framework. You know, we've talked about some of the specifics here. We've dug into some of the details. Uh, for people who are not lawyers, who don't have backgrounds uh, in thinking about this in a formal legal analytic framework, what do you think the current state of play is right now uh, in the crypto space with regard to this question about what is or is not a security? It seems to be the material question uh, of the day, along with some of the solvency issues that we saw over at FTX. It seems to me pretty significant. What's your take on that for folks who are following the story, uh, but not really in the weeds with it? Uh, I would say since July 2017, when the Dow report came out, uh, the SEC has made consistent statements, uh, rules, whether that's the releases of the three-step, the special purpose broker dealer, and in for taking a significant enforcement actions and activities that have basically continually explained that the overwhelming majority of digital assets are securities. And we're just seeing that play out. I would suggest uh, that people uh, understand that the federal securities laws are meant to protect the investor. And essentially, we, <laughs> the industry used to make the argument that uh, you know, regulation was going to kill innovation. But the reality is, is that uh, unregulated innovation almost led to a uh, harakiri situation. And uh, as a result, uh, the industry really almost destroyed itself. And now what we're going to see is a forced maturity through regulation uh, which will allow for there to be proper uh, financial services regulated in a sense that customers' assets will actually be protected. They'll be trading in fair and orderly markets uh, and that they'll actually have the investor protections of federal securities laws, which will now lead to uh, uh, the ability to rebuild the trust that was lost under the, uh, you know, in the recent quarters from the recent debacles. So let me ask you this. Are you overall relatively optimistic about the crypto space? What's your vision for how this shakes out? Uh, obviously, most people who are in the crypto space right now, whether they're on the legal side or the financial side, seem to have some real enthusiasm uh, for the technology. Do you feel that there is a way here uh, to create an environment where we see uh, a regulated environment for this that doesn't crush innovation and that allows people, excuse me, to continue to develop uh, these technologies that many of us here in this space are so passionate about? It's imperative for the industry to be able to grow, for people to be able to trust the industry. And in order to reestablish that trust, there needs to be uh, regulated financial service providers that basically ensure that if people uh, gain or lose money, it's because of their own trading decisions or because their own activities and not because of the uh, malfeasance or commingling or absurd business practices of that institution. 
So what do you see that future looking like? How might this shake out in a way that uh, you could see as being positive for the space in the future? In other words, uh, is there an optimistic case that you have in your head uh, that you think about how this might unfold in a way uh, that could create those types of protections, create that kind of innovation and continue to see the ecosystem develop? What might that look like in one, three or five years? It's the application of the federal securities laws. It's uh, intermediaries in the space registering under the securities laws, whether that's as an ATS or whether that's as a special purpose broker dealer on the trading and custody sides, respectively. Beyond that, it's actual products, uh, you know, the uh, staking products, the uh, potentially stable coins. That's a whole different conversation being properly registered under the securities laws, going through Corp Frin, getting a registration done. Uh, having them be properly uh, gone through the process like any other financial product has to do. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let me ask you two related questions. Number one, uh, there's a, a sense uh, in the space that some people have uh, where they will say, and we've heard this on the show many times, uh, that they don't believe that there is kind of a safe harbor framework for them to go through, that they believe uh, that crypto technology is so different from what was regulated under the acts of 33 and 34 uh, that it's very difficult to apply those laws. So number one, do you think that's true? Do you think that there is a way through uh, here based on the current statutes and the current regulatory environment where crypto companies can meaningfully register and can go through the process uh, the way that, for example, Gary Gensler seems to be suggesting they ought to. And I guess the flip side of that question, uh, which is, do you think that we do need new legislation or new rulemaking or interpretation of the existing legislation uh, in order for the crypto space to flourish? So anyone who's made the argument that they the laws, uh, the securities laws are not well suited or that they can't, uh, they can't apply them that because there's technical innovation uh, is arguably uh, an individual who has the skeletons in the closet and can't be compliant under the federal securities laws. Uh, let, me just, let me just reiterate that because that's an important point. Do you believe that anyone who is suggesting that the federal securities laws as currently written with current rulemaking uh, if you if they assert that they do not apply or do not apply well to the crypto space, you believe that these are folks who maybe have skeletons in their closet uh, and therefore uh, are not able to comply. Uh, Chairman Gensler has said that there's an entanglement between the different business lines and activities at crypto uh, entities, that they're basically providing banking, trading, market making, lending, staking, uh, you know, go on and on. And essentially, uh, for them to be compliant, they have to disentangle those different business lines. Not just that, they have to rebuild their, arguably, their technology to be compliant. I mean, I, I, I'm, not sh I'm not on the inside of that. I'm, I'm on the regulated side. But I would say that um, to comply with the federal securities laws and integrate them into the actual operations and tech of your platform uh, is a task that must be done and it would require a lot of effort and a lot of these entities chose not to comply because it was just easier to go the other way and they make uh generate revenues 
without having to consider the regulatory uh, implications or applications because it was just the easier route. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's, it's for, and going to your other question, uh, there's no need for new regulatory frameworks. The securities laws are meant to protect investors, particularly the retail public, who were the people who were the most injured in the recent debacles. Uh, okay. Not just that, the industry lost its hall pass. I mean, I understand they allowed for unbridled growth, which was, you know, it was uh, obviously significantly speculative, and you saw advertisements everywhere on the Super Bowl and the like. Uh, but the reality is, is when the average customer loses their money as not a result of their own activities or investment decisions, it's going to bring the regulatory uh, eye of Mordor, uh, and essentially. Uh, as a result, you're going to see strict regulation to make sure that those events don't happen again. Uh, the argument that there's a need for new regulation, again, it only serves those people who need new regulation because they can't be compliant under existing regulation. So uh, it, it, these rules are tried and tested. And what I would say is anyone who says, oh, we need new regulatory frameworks, well, what does regulation need? Regulation needs established frameworks and the ability to enforce those frameworks on an ongoing basis. So basically, you're telling me you're going to create a new law, which is not established by definition. And not just that, you're going to create, what, a new agency to oversee that law, to regulate it? I mean, the, the securities laws are tried and tested over 90 years. You have the SEC on the federal side to oversee it, and you have the uh, FINRA as an SRO to, CO, data, oh, excuse me, to oversee day-to-day -day activities. That's a self-regulating uh, self, self organization for those who are not uh, the term of art. So the argument for new regulatory frameworks, in my opinion, is just obtuse and intentionally and willfully ignorant. Well, I think this is marvelous, Aaron, to have you on, to have the present this opinion, because most of the folks who come on uh, this show actually say the opposite. They make the argument uh, that securities laws are out of date, uh, that the technology is not in any way uh, congruent with the current regulatory framework. And it's fantastic to have you come on and argue the counter case, uh, this idea that effectively the current framework for regulating securities and regulating financial services in the United States should, and uh, in many ways, in your view, ought to apply in every case to uh, digital assets. I think it's fascinating to have you here articulating this point. Uh, let me ask you this. In your view, do you think Bitcoin is a security? I think if you watch the Senate Banking Committee, uh, the crypto crash hearing earlier this month, uh, Lee Reiners, who was, uh, I believe, a and a professor at Duke, I'm, I'm, I might get the exact provenance wrong, made an argument that, uh, or sort of made the idea that Bitcoin's not necessarily security, but there should be a carve out such that it's brought under the securities laws because it's the best way to have oversight and proper regulation. Uh, does Bitcoin fit the exact definition? Is that your position as well? I think that the way that Bitcoin is traded and people participate in the space, uh, it might, they've, Probably the SEC is the best regulator to oversee it uh, because they the SEC have is the, the best regulator to oversee Bitcoin in your view. Uh, in the sense that they have the enforcement capability, they have the sort of the understanding of markets. They basically have the capability to properly oversee the space. Now, I would argue that people initially chose to register as money service bureaus. Right now, there wasn't necessarily the clarity at that time, but in my opinion, that's what I would call regulatory arbitrage. You but didn't they choose to register because that was the, you know, the most, uh, the most appropriate in their view uh, way for them to do so? And if they had the capacity to register under the law, can you fault them for registering uh, under a, a, a clearly provided legal framework that was available to them? 
I understand, but they're registered and regulated the same way that Western Union and MoneyGram is. Does that make sense to you? I'm not arguing whether it makes sense <laughs> or not. I'm asking you the question, which is uh, if a company regulate, registers uh, under a, a regulatory framework that's available to them, can you fault them for doing so? If they are allowed to register, shouldn't that be the role of the regulator to say, no, this isn't appropriate. We don't want to reg regulate you the same way we regulate uh, Western Union. It's not appropriate. In other words, if the avenue is open to a company and they choose to regulate themselves or to register under that framework, can you blame the company for doing that? That's the question. That's a good point. But uh, in response to that, I would say that you've had indications since July 2017 that you will need to eventually register under the securities laws. Uh, yeah, during that time, from that 2014 to that 2017 period, I get it. But thereafter, that's five, six years ago now. You had an opportunity to do it compliantly from there going forward. And not just that. People say, oh, there's no frameworks. The SEC hasn't put out any information. That's a complete fallacy. The SEC has put out the four-step, the three-step, the SPPD releases. And these are the means of compliantly trading and custodying a digital asset under the securities laws. Just follow them. It's the path to compliance. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to talk about one other story here. Uh, moving from the US to Europe, uh, the European Union is looking to potentially regulate the metaverse. The EU's antitrust commissioner said today that it's time to consider what healthy competition should look like in Web3. She noted that regulation and enforcement are always slower than the markets themselves, so the EU needs to get ahead of the game. There have already been concerns around the dominance of Meta, the parent company of Facebook. Uh, what sort of challenges can you think of here? I don't know if you're following this story. Uh, obviously, you're a U.S. person here in the United States, uh, but are you following this story abroad in Europe? So I, I am from following this story. I would say that if you're following the uh, the uh, sunken costs that Facebook or Meta is putting into the metaverse, um, I'm not sure uh, it's as attractive as it once was uh, in that capacity. And while there should not be any monopolies, I think if the uh, EU is a little ahead of it, uh, right now to try to uh, harm any sort of development there with uh, potential antitrust regulation. Uh, there needs to be someone who's going to lead the way in some capacity, and Meta has tried to do that. Uh, and we'll see how it plays out, but I think any sort of antitrust considerations right now are too early. Uh, let me just touch on a couple of other stories here real quick, uh, just a couple of short ones. Uh, here's some other stories that we're looking at. Three Japanese banks are experimenting with stablecoin payments. Uh, they will use Japan Open Chain, which is a public blockchain compatible with Ethereum that complies with Japanese law. The companies say each bank will issue their own stablecoin that can be used in Ethereum wallets. Speaking of digital currencies issued by banks, Australia is expanding its trial of a CBDC. That, of course, is central bank digital currency. The country is exploring additional uh, use options for an electronic Australian dollar. One of the companies taking place in part is MasterCard. The use cases range from facilitating offline payments to tokenized bills and even livestock auctions. And finally, Binance is beta testing a tool for generating NFT art by AI. It's called Picasso. The free mint allows 10,000 uh, for 10,000 tokens to be minted and has been nearly taken up. Users mint their NFTs on Binance's native chain, BNB. Uh, Aaron, I know these are somewhat out of your wheelhouse. Any thoughts on these stories? Uh, I think the interesting part when it comes to the uh, Aussie CBDC uh, is the conversation when it comes to zero knowledge proofs and the contemplation of privacy 
uh, in that capacity. I think often what happens is you have to either get privacy or performance, but hopefully uh, they can come up with some sort of solution where they could actually allow for a CBDC that would not impinge on uh, you know, the peop- a person's right to privacy when it comes to their financial transactions. Uh, Aaron, this has been a fantastic conversation. It looks like we have a lot of viewer questions that are coming in, uh, lighting up my screen, which I'm really excited to get to. Uh, but first, I just wanted to read this. Uh, we want to show our viewers a clip from the Rao uh, Powell latest Adventures in Crypto. Uh, it releases tomorrow on the Real Vision website. You can sign up for free at realvision.com forward slash crypto. Rao spoke with Alexandra Dreyfus, the founder of Chili's uh, and Socios. Here is a snippet from it. We have a very simple mission. Our mission is to try to tokenize sports team by creating something that we call fan tokens, which are fungible tokens. They are not NFTs. And these fungible tokens are sort of like a membership program that we tokenize. So we started in 2018 and 19 with Paris Saint-Germain and Juventus, two European soccer teams. And now we have more than 80 uh, football teams or soccer teams, Arsenal, Barcelona, Man City, uh, Inter Milan, AC Milan, etc. Um, and we issue these tokens. These tokens give you a right to vote on decisions of the club that are neither business or sports. They are in the middle. They are all about fan engagement. And our mission is simple, is to try to help sports team, leagues, but mainly sports team, to engage and monetize their 99% of sports fans that are not in the stadium, not in the city, and sometimes not even in the country of the team they are supporting. And that's how it's all started. And till now it worked pretty okay. It's been difficult, of course, like everybody else, but we've been very lucky because we, we are almost the only one doing what we do and we have a massive network effect uh, in, the pro, in, the, in the business that we, we are running. Well, there you have it. Once again, you can sign up at realvision.com forward slash crypto to watch that video in full uh, and all of our other content, obviously, I should add. Uh, let's jump in. There's some great questions coming to us. The first one comes to us from Susan on the Real Vision website. What is your take on the Ripple lawsuit with the SEC? I can probably guess the direction you're going to land on this one, Aaron, but uh, what's your take on it? If I said it from a uh, legal perspective, I would say the precedents established in the library case with LBC uh, uh, are probably uh, dispositive here because the... What what would you say if I were to ask you after a few cocktails in a uh, bar? I'd say... uh, uh, I think the government has a very strong position. I'd probably say it with a curse or two. You'd probably say with? I'd add a curse or two if we were in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can do that here on YouTube. You can do it oh, on that's the a good point. platform. You can do it on YouTube. Nobody <laughs> minds. <laughs> uh, here's another one from Susan. Uh, there are a large number of platforms out there promoting tokenization of real estate. Would this be seen as a security? Uh, most likely. Uh, the fractionalization of a real estate a piece of property uh, would likely imp- make it an investment contract and implicate the federal securities laws. Uh, I think that uh, the way it would trade would trade much more like an equity because hopefully there'd be ongoing liquidity as opposed to a REIT where you're sort of tied in. Uh, and uh, while we've seen news about this since arguably maybe like 2015, 16, maybe was the first one. Uh, I believe it was a St. Regis hotel somewhere uh, that was trying to do that. Uh, uh, it's obviously been an idea. I think that there's potential advantages when it comes to liquidity, but uh, I'm not sure there's been a uh, killer use case yet. 
Uh, okay, this one comes to us from Vincent on the Real Vision website. So what's the difference between BTC, ETC, uh, or LTC? I think he means ETH here. Uh, and he's basically asking the difference between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. Uh, I think the answer from the perspective of the securities laws, in your view, is probably there is no difference. Uh, but what's your thought? I would say that Bitcoin, uh, the distinction is is that Bitcoin is sufficiently, it was decentralized to start. So it doesn't necessarily meet the investment contract element of a common enterprise and the profit being generated primarily from the efforts of others, meaning that common enterprise and the individuals there. Uh, it, it, the way that it would be thought of potentially is that the individuals who participated in actually contributing and growing the ecosystem and those people who were individuals who were essentially uh, mining at the time uh, were allowing the ecosystem to grow. So uh, that's what I think the distinction is. And I think that while I, you can make an argument that Bitcoin is not a security, I think the best way to regulate the financial services surrounding Bitcoin, meaning the intermediaries, the platforms, is under the securities laws. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he may have been, uh, Vincent may have been referring to ETH Classic, which still uh, trades under the ticker ETC, uh, but of course still using proof of work rather than proof of stake. Uh, here's a question from Ralph on the Real Vision website. In Aaron's opinion, uh, would it have been better for the crypto industry to create an SRO, that's a self-regulating organization, that would have uh, been overseen by the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, to regulate crypto, somewhat analogous to the situation uh, with FINRA, uh, that of course is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority? Uh, in theory, sure. I think one of the issues was actually in sort of the disposition of the industry. Uh, a lot of the industry, whether if you're back in the day with cypherpunks and crypto anarchists, or even like the initial wave of engineers comes from a uh, build fast, break it, repeat type model. Uh, you can argue that's a West Coast model. Uh, but I don't think that's, uh, that's, I think that's incongruent with regulation to begin with. Uh, and I think that it would have been a sort of like a letting the insurance aid, uh, excuse me, the prescription drug uh, industry regulated itself when it came to talk, taking doctors out to dinner. You know, it wouldn't have been in the best interest of the actual investor or the consumer or the user. And I think the way going forward, it, what we'll see is that regulation under the federal securities laws, enforcement and overseeing by the SEC and the self-regulatory organ, self organization will be FINRA, which will be actually be in the best interest of the people using those platforms, uh, because it will not be, uh, there will not be unique rules where people can get around uh, certain established requirements uh, for standard securities. And I think this is all part of that force maturity I mentioned before. Uh, forced maturity. That's an interesting phrase. Uh, here we go. This is some con uh, questions from YouTube. This one comes from David. Any concern with crypto NFT games as securities or as gambling? And what would the ramifications of that be? Oh, that's interesting. So it, again, it be really becomes the question of the fractionalization of the asset in my mind. That's really, once you start to fractionalize a asset, that's where I think it's a uh, a real consideration has to be given to the, is does that implicate the federal securities laws? Now, what constitutes a unregulated digital asset versus a regulated one? Uh, and I believe that uh, whole NFTs uh, are more likely to meet the, uh, the definition of a consumer or unregulated digital asset in that sense. Uh, but it would depend really on the facts and circumstances given each game, given what the people who initially bought those tokens intended them to be used for. Now, if I'm buying a token 
that I hope that's going to be used in the game ecosystem with the hope that the game ecosystem is going to be developed. Additional players are going to come on. It's going to drive up the price of that token. That starts to seem like a security to me because it's an investment contract. I invested money with the intention of profit in a common enterprise, meaning in that video game, right? And the idea is that the engineers who work at that video game will build out the ecosystem such that it'll grow and that hopefully uh, as people come on, the price of that token will go up and I'll make a return. So that's where uh, it, it depends really on the facts and circumstances. Hey everyone, we're gonna take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Well, let me ask you this, and this is an interesting question. It's just theoretical. Uh, but the idea that the idea is that you are doing this, it's an investment of money uh, with the expectation of profit. For example, if you're in a gaming ecosystem and you purchase a, a sword or a suit of armor uh, and you want to continue to use that for its utility value, and then you want to be able to take that good, that uh, that digital good, and move it into another game, that's what many of the people who are in this space who are so passionate about uh, this idea of being able to do this stuff on the blockchain is this concept of portability, is that primarily... Uh, for the idea that you're going to get a return of your investment capital, or is it for utility? And does that distinction matter under current federal securities laws? And furthermore, should it matter under federal securities laws? I think it does. I think it should. I think that if someone's going to purchase a digital asset to be used in a video game and wants to make, they're going to use it and eventually they're going to sell it. And maybe, you know, you level it up in that game and it has more value when you sell it. I, I, I think. By the that way, you've is, just described a case that could be true of collectibles as well. Right. Uh, sense that if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you buy a physical sword. Is that a security? It would seem not. But when it becomes digital and when it becomes traded on the blockchain, how does that change things? These are really interesting questions. Uh, my, our CTO, uh, Garrett Jenkins, and myself in a previous lifetime uh, worked on a uh, consumer digital asset uh, company for video games where the idea was to be able to use uh, an asset in multiple games. Uh, it, it was before NFT started. It was, it was a long time ago. But at the same time... Oh, yeah, Did you worry I'm, about the Howie test? Uh, not, not, no, because the issue with that, where I think the people were sort of getting tripped up there is that they were doing an ICO to fund their company in the first place. And that's where you get the securities violation, not from actually the asset being issued in a game, people buying it and using it. So it, there was, I, I, I wasn't so concerned for the potential uh, regulatory implications on the security side for a, for a consumer-based digital asset and used in the context we discussed. Uh, but again, uh, there, it depends on the facts and circumstances of how you use it specifically. Uh, so it depends on the facts and circumstances, but is there an argument to be made in general for this concept of utility? This is something that we hear a lot in the space, the idea that a particular digital asset has some type of utility uh, that is separate and distinct from its value as uh, a, speculative, uh, a, a speculative investment. So it becomes a question of what the economic reality is. Nobody speculates on laundromat tokens, I believe was the example that Chairman Clayton gave a long time ago. Um, and basically, you know, the idea of why am I being involved with this in the first place? 
uh, I think the overwhelming majority who of people who participate in the in those ecosystems are doing it for the with the intent of return based on a speculative value. Uh, they're not necessarily you doing it to use it in that use case and obtain that utility. Not just that, if you're going to obtain the utility, why not just buy it at that time you're going to use it? Why speculate on it? It's a fair question. Um, you know, one answer might be just a, a hypothetical is uh, continuity and the ability to uh, have functionality that, for example, you can uh, accrue experience points with. Uh, for example, with a with a digital sword, you can imagine a role playing scenario where you would uh, you would have experience points that would go up, would make the sword more effective. So you might want to contain uh, continue uh, in perpetuity or have a continuity across time with that particular digital asset. One case. True, uh, but I think that's not necessarily. You can argue that someone buys that digital asset; they're using it themselves, right? And therefore, it probably does not fall within the securities world. They're not doing it for basically just sheer speculative purposes. They're actually meaning right. to use it. Well, so that's I, precisely I, the point about utility, right? That it isn't purely speculative, but there is some functionality uh, that can be gained in a digital space. Sure, and I and I, I could totally see the argument that. Uh, in that case where someone's buying a digital asset to be used in a gaming capacity and they're leveling it up and they sell it at some point in the future, that that does not implicate the federal securities laws. Interesting. Really interesting. So a very nuanced take, uh, Aaron, from you on this, that there are uh, obviously facts and circumstances that would change your view. Uh, this is a question that comes to us from Douglas Baker on YouTube. There are a couple of questions, but I want to focus on this one. Uh, do you feel that the SEC to this point has approached the good actors in the industry fairly? There's been talk that they have not provided a clear path forward. That's a question uh, that we hear in sort of multiple different inflections here on Real Vision all the time. That question, uh, have good actors been approached fairly? Has SEC prepared a clear path for those good actors who want to come into the framework of U.S. securities laws? Ash, could you name the good actors? <laughs> well, I'm not going to get into that. Here. Uh, but uh, we'll leave it. I'll leave it to you. How about we'll frame it this way? Is there a, is there a path? Let's focus on the path rather than the actors specifically. Uh, is there a path under the current federal securities laws for folks who are doing business in this space to uh, to register and to become compliant uh, in a way that is consistent with the general framework of securities laws? Yes, the SEC has laid out. Uh, frameworks, uh, which have uh, some have been adopted into law for the trading and custody of digital asset securities and how it could be compliantly done under the federal securities laws. Uh, anyone who has made the argument that there is no framework, there is no guidance that uh, is legitimately not paying attention on purpose. I don't think they uh, make the argument that there's no framework. I think, and I'm again, I'm not making this case. I'm just trying to explain the case I've heard made here on Real Vision, uh, which is that there is a, a pathway, but that it doesn't, for whatever reason, in their view, uh, apply as cleanly or as elegantly to digital asset companies as it would to traditional uh, traditional securities companies. I don't think that argument is fair. I think that the difficulty is that they're so used to operating outside of regulation that they don't understand how regulation operates uh, and the requirements that go into being compliant under the laws. Okay, here's another question from Douglas. What's your opinion of decentralized finance then, platforms like Aave? I think uh, decentralized uh, finance is a very interesting area. Uh, a lot of the concepts are just repeat and recycling of concepts that are used in the traditional world of finance. 
Uh, it's just done through a different rails, a different mechanism. Uh, but I do believe that uh, that at some point, uh, regulators oh. will turn their eyes to decentralized finance, uh, particularly if it grows to the point where it poses some sort of uh, contagion or systemic risk. Okay, uh, the next question comes to us from Bandit8899 on YouTube. SEC previously labeled ETH a commodity. Is it legal for them to override that ruling? Let me just uh, bootstrap this question up to a, a broader point, and maybe you can explain this uh, in the context of the question. I've tried to explain this here on Real Vision, and I've done it inelegantly. Let's talk a little bit about the general framework for the way this works. In my understanding, uh, I think of it in kind of three buckets, and it's probably an inelegant way to do so. I think that you basically have the law right, as is written by Congress. Then you have uh, essentially regulatory agencies, uh, which are independent agencies that roll up under the executive branch that essentially uh, issue uh, rulings or rather uh, file suit in federal court uh, when there are violations of the laws in their view. And then ultimately these things get adjudicated throughout the uh, federal judiciary. Uh, is that uh, perhaps a, a simplistic or naive way of looking at it? How would you explain that general framework? Uh, I think obviously either through precedent or through rulemaking, uh, it is established uh, whether the securities laws applies. Uh, in regards to the ETH, I believe the reference is to the Hinman statement that ETH might not be a security, uh, which has been brought up significantly in the XRP Ripple case. Uh, but I don't, that was never law. That was just a statement made by, I believe, Mr. Hinman at the time was the head of Corp Fin. Uh, it's not law. Right, this, it's, you're talking about uh, Mr. Hinman, head of corporate finance at SEC. Correct. At the time, not any, when he made yep. the statement. Now, that's not a law. That was a statement. Uh, I, it's, it, you can make the argument that the SEC has made a plethora of other statements which say that it is. So, uh, And I don't believe there was any sort of uh, determination that it was a commodity. I believe at one point there was a lot of efforts by uh, some of the villains who have now been uh, caught with their pants down to try to push everything through on the commodity side. There was a big push to have everything regulated under the CFTC. Now the reality in, is, is that we are uh, misfortunate and fortunate. We're misfortunate because the average investor got really harmed here. But the overall uh, investing public is fortunate because uh, their malfeasance, their commingling, their absurd activity uh, prevented uh, the regulation of digital assets under the commodities laws from occurring. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's borderline, <laughs> it's just off base. In my mind, a commodities laws should apply to commodities. Uh, not to, uh, but who gets that? Who gets to say what's a commodity and what's a security? Ultimately, uh, isn't that a question that gets resolved uh, through the federal court process through legislation? I mean, this isn't uh, entirely uh, something that's very clear at this point, is it? I mean, isn't this something that we have? We the problem, uh, as many people in the space argue, is that there's just insufficient actual uh, law around this because uh, you know the securities laws were established in the 1930s uh, and there really isn't a clear law that defines what is and what is not a commodity i mean why for example i'm just make the argument and i'd like to hear you argue against it uh, why for example can we say that bitcoin isn't like a barrel of oil i mean I'm, I'm not asserting that but it's an interesting question to ask well first of all it's not physical uh, okay. the commodities so historically were physical <laughs> 
But the time that 1933 and 34 acts were established, uh, there wasn't a digital world uh, in which uh, to uh, in which to participate. So it, you, you can see how this could be interpreted as questionable. Sure, but the federal securities laws are meant to be malleable and they're substantive over formative. Basically, they're meant to deal with the realities of what's occurring. What does substantive and, over formative mean? Uh, they look beyond the, the exact parameters to make sure that if it... Uh, if it, uh, you know, if it smells like a security, if it looks like a security, if it tastes like a security, it's a security. Uh, it, it basically looks at the economic realities beyond the fact that someone might be able trying to do some sort of nuanced or new activity. If you look at the actual how we test itself, it's about orange groves. So basically, it doesn't matter what the asset is. It's matter how the performance is. It matters what the investors consider when they're making that decision. It matters how it trades. It matters what the intention for profit is. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think that the argument that the securities laws are uh, old or stale applies. The securities laws are constantly evolving to deal with the realities of the uh, financial ecosystem. And the securities laws have really allowed America's uh, uh, capital markets and a, a financial universe to be maintain its preeminent position in the world. And going forward, I think it's the best way to do it when it comes to the digital asset sphere. Uh, Aaron, I think this is a spectacular conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really great. Thank you for letting me play devil's advocate. I think you've made some really important points here uh, today. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our viewers and our listeners with. Uh, the existing crypto financial services infrastructure is being replaced by one that is regulated under the federal securities laws. And the entities that have existed in the previous paradigm will really have to evolve or die. If they don't embrace regulation, they will uh, meet their demise. And going forward, you'll see that crypto financial services will uh, will be regulated by the federal securities laws and overseen by the SEC. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show. I hope you'll come back and join us again. Thank you for having me, Ash. Uh, this episode of Crypto Daily Briefing is sponsored by the Crypto App. The Crypto App is your place for all things crypto. Download the Crypto App today on Google Play or the iOS App Store. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Nick Carter from Castle Island Ventures, who will join us live. See you at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern Time, 5 p.m. London, live on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Have a great afternoon, everybody.